Besides dealing with food, I was already dealing with my sexual abuse and lying to myself that I actually never had an abuse. So it came up like in my late teens when I was 17. That's kind of when I faced the truth and faced what I had to go through. Um, I told my, my family a few years later and... You are listening to Plant Strength Radio. Each week, remarkable stories of plant-based healing, mindfulness, fitness, nutrition, and activism as told by those with the expressed desire to affect lasting change in our world. Real people, real experiences. Your host, Bobby Lynch. What's up guys and welcome to Plant Strength Radio. I'm your host, Bobby Lynch. And on today's show, we have author, vegan chef, and Instagram influencer, Edgar Castrejon, AKA Edgar Raw. Welcome, Edgar. What's up? Thank you so much for having me, Bobby. Of course, it's a pleasure. So we have a lot to talk about today. Before we get into things, though, we're going to have a little on-the-spot icebreaker segment to warm us up. Are you ready? I'm ready. Awesome. All right. So what is giving you strength this year? In other words, what is currently motivating you to keep going through 2021? What's giving me strength is seeing... Um, all of us going through the, this pandemic and what, being, what we've been going through and still striving, like that gives me inspiration and, you know, pushes me to keep going. Um, I, I want to go further and, you know, I'm starting school recent, uh, I'm starting school soon. So I'm really excited for that. Awesome. Totally. I, I couldn't agree more. It's just, it's so nice how we see everyone coming together to, to really push forward into the future and, and keep things going. Awesome. All right. So let's get into things. You have a really big following on your page, Edgar Raw, and a really interesting reason for why you started that page in the first place. Tell us about that. Tell us about your background growing up and how things progress to what they are today. Well, um, as the one, one of the earliest memories I have of is me growing up in Oakland, California, in the East Oakland, and my family had like a little tiny farm with chickens. Um, so they laid eggs, we had a little garden. So I was always kind of connected with um, agriculture in a way. And, but I, I never really made the, such a the connection of like, you know, I, this is what I eat and this is what it's on the table. Um, and there was one memory where I was just kind of outside and my uncle asked me to come closer. I basically, um, to base, to basically kill a chicken. He wanted to teach me because that is what a boy my age should learn to do. Even though we're in the United States, I don't think we should be doing that there. I don't even know if that's legal. I'm not even sure, but he made me kill one chicken and multiple after, um, I was definitely scarred. I was, it was not, it was not good to see all this blood, but it was the reality, at least for his life and his past. So I definitely started to like learn more about where my food is coming from because I, I questioned where this beef was coming from, where this chicken was coming from, even though you know we didn't always just kill our chickens because we, we needed the eggs most of the time. And so I kind of ventured to not eating that much meat. Uh, if they made like a chicken soup, I would not eat the chicken. I would just eat the broth with the veggies. So I kind of started venturing into that. And I was about like eight, eight, nine years old. And during that same time, I also dealt with some 
sexual abuse, which kind of led to me to really dive, dive more into myself and have a huge wall that prevented anyone to really get close to me. So I kind of started lying to myself, lying to other people, how I felt, because, you know, I was dealing with a lot of, a lot, a lot of um, abuse and it really made me detached from my family, especially because even in high school, I started to actually become vegetarian. I had more control for my food. And that like really pushed me away from my family. It was a little harder not being able to eat my grandma's food. And it, in our family, in our culture, it's a disrespect not to eat that an elder's food. It's, it's almost like I was saying I was too good for it, but I wasn't. I, I just, for me, I just couldn't eat that food. And it was really hard. I mean, besides, besides dealing with food, I was already dealing with my sexual abuse and lying to myself that I actually never had an abuse. So it came up like in my late teens when I was 17. That's kind of when I faced the truth and faced what I had to go through. Um, I told my, my family a few years later and I started eating meat again. So I felt like I told them about my abuse. So I, that was the first step of me not lying to myself and others. And I also started eating meat again. So I connected with people and I felt so much better. And I feel like it was the pressure that really led me into eating meat again, um, which led to me to go going to college. So I graduated and in college, I started to learn more about nutrition and agriculture. And I was working in a farm. I was actually a market manager and harvest manager. So I would harvest all the vegetables and sell them. Uh, but then often they would need someone else at the cattle farm. Uh, and I would help kind of like put them back in their, in their coop and then also put, you know, uh, take them out and make sure they, they got water, they got fed. And there was the time where I was petting one of them. And you know how dogs kind of like want to, want to grab your arm and let, so you can pet them. That's what the cow was doing to me. And I was like, oh my God, this cow wants to be touched, wants to be caressed. It doesn't want to be killed. Like this is a society where we just torture and kill animals. And, and, and I couldn't do it right then and there. I realized like, okay, I'm going to go fully vegetarian because I was kind of in and out and I was vegetarian, but family gatherings, I'm like, it's okay. Just because my grandma's here, she's making tortillas with, with lard. So I would be okay with it. But since then I stopped. So I was vegetarian kind of venturing into why maybe I should be vegan. And I started realizing that I felt so much better. And also felt not just like because it was healthier, in my opinion, just because I wouldn't eat too much meat. It's also because mentally I knew that I was in supporting animal cruelty. And I graduated with a horticulture and plant science degree and I studied loads of nutrition. So I really, I learned a lot about how you can be healthy on a vegan diet, lifestyle. Um, it's a misconception, especially in my family that, oh, you're gonna get too skinny. You're just going to, you know, you're not going to have enough protein or enough iron and enough zinc because zinc, has, you know, it's an animal protein, but you can get zinc and iron from lentils. So, and protein, um, you know, kind of ventured into that. So, because I was plant-based in a agricultural, you know, class that I was always in. So, that was like my, uh, my connections there and I couldn't really connect with anyone. So, I started venturing into online. I wanted to connect with people just because I felt alone. I still felt like I, I had to, I don't know why I was doing this to myself. I was pushing people away. And besides me being gay, it made it even harder because some people, I mean, some people, most people didn't know. Um, 
unless they ask, I would tell them. I mean, I wasn't really, it's like in the closet. It was more like, if you don't ask about my life, I'm not going to tell you. I mean, it doesn't even matter. And so I started connecting people online and it was an amazing welcoming community in 2016. I started just posting what I ate, posting what I thought. I even have a post in 2016 where I was petting the cow and I like talked about it. So if you go back on my Instagram, you can like look at that post. Um, but it was really an amazing community because it started to really make me feel better. I didn't feel alone. I felt like I had a huge community supporting me and not just from my followers, but people that I made friends with online. And there were just random people at times just like saying like, oh, thank you for your message. And then we started talking about, you know, anything after that. So it really led me to uh, my career today. I graduated and then I didn't really know what I was going to do, but Within a few months, I got a food photographer position and also a marketing position. So I started working with uh, a company and I really create, I created their branding without even knowing about marketing <laughs> or business. And I kind of just winged it and, you know, make it till you make it because you kind of like, you can study online really quick and, and do those things. But, um, and today I am, uh, I'm pretty much just working as a, uh, working full time. I do a lot of recipe development. I also do um, food photography and I do uh, art directing and I, a little bit of um, R&D for certain companies or restaurants. Wow, that's so no. much. And it's, no. it, I connect with you on a couple of different points. Number one, talking about the cow, I had a similar experience with a cow myself. It was summer 2017 and I was at this corn maze up in Vermont and they had a little petting area with some farm animals and there was a baby calf there and I was sitting down next to the fence petting him and just the way he was looking at me and the way he just wanted love and affection and I I felt like I could see right into his soul looking him right in the eyes I held his gaze for probably a good 10-15 seconds and I was just like wow how could I ever eat you because I had started following different influencers online and activists who were showing what was happening in the animal agriculture industry, things that I'd never seen before. And then I just started to make that connection. I was like, this is, this is something I just can't do. I can't. And, and it was from that point forward, I never ate beef again. And then it slowly, ultimately went, um, ultimately went vegetarian and then vegan. But then too, with, with uh, the social media, I never really used, I, I had social media in college, but I never really used it that much. I just was not really into it. I posted maybe once or twice a month. But then once I graduated and I realized, wow, this is actually a really beneficial tool for marketing, that's when I kind of really got into more photography, videography. And I was like, wow, this is so cool. I can just promote my brand online for free. And then just the community that followed and all the support. I've met so many people online that I would never have connected with if I had never created an Instagram. So I definitely feel you on that point. It's just like such a nice community. And that's the beauty of social media. If you know how to manage it right in your minds, because yeah. it's always an up and down battle sometimes seeing everyone's highlight reels. But if you can just understand that it is a highlight reel and you use it for a tool to, to, to connect with people, it really can do a lot of wonders for you. Yeah. 
And to go to the point about the cow, there was like another moment where I saw a calf being, you know, pushed away or taken away from the mama and she was yearning. She, and I saw, I saw her tears coming out of her face. Wow. Yeah. I was like, this is too real for me. I just, I definitely won't eat them again. Like ever. Yeah. And, it's yeah, that. It's because it, people think they don't have feelings, but they do just like we do they mourn the same they fear the same they experience pleasure the same they just look different yeah and there's no reason to be contributing to their suffering and death when we don't need to we yeah. just don't so wow that's 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 amazing so when you eventually went online when was it that you ultimately kind of rid yourself of that lying you said you kind of came to term with things time with things like high school going into college but well, like while in college i i started every day to talk to myself in the mirror and to tell myself a positive thing about me that was real that wasn't made up and and it kind of goes into imposter syndrome because i feel like it's not real because so of so much pathological lying that you just don't believe yourself but at the same time, you do because you're going back and forth between it's like, wait, is this a lie? Like, did I tell myself this lie and now I believe it? Or is it more like that I tell this lie and, and I still believe it, but it's really not the reality? Um, so it kind of started with me just making sure I post. If I, every, I posted every single day in college because I was not held accountable by anybody, just by myself to show that what, I'm, what I ate, how I felt. And, and I wrote what I was feeling right then and there. Versus making it up, like maybe a few days later, oh, you know, yesterday I was fine, but then I said I wasn't. Um, so I kind of like, it was a, a journal for me. And that's how people connected with me as well. I, I went through a, my, one of my friends got into a car accident and he died. I went through, it went through another downfall. Like it really affected me. And I started to get into those bad habits again. Um, and then because of this community, like people were so uplifting. It, it, it's it's insane without knowing what race they were, where they're from, or what, whatever. Even if they were male or female, any everyone on there was super supportive. And um, it's just because you opened up and shared your story and then the, and yeah. the real pain that you were going through. Yeah. Um, vulnerability is looked at sometimes as weak, but it's not. And, you know, I don't even think it's, I don't, I, I, I know that word is used a lot. I don't think it's, I think it's misused. I think the the better term is just being real, being authentic, being yourself. Because yeah. it's being real and being authentic and being yourself, yourself and ex being able to fully express who you are and what you're feeling, that has a lot of strength. It takes yeah. a lot of strength to take away those walls and say, this is who I am, take it or leave it. I totally agree. I, I totally agree. That's why I feel that that's how I should be. That's why Edgar Ra came to be. Edgar Ra was the moment I created that Instagram account in high school was because I wanted to be, well, not in high school, but like the beginning of college, I wanted to be the most rawest person I can be, the most authentic, the most just me, me, and that's it. That's like, awesome. Yeah, I really, I really like that. So it wasn't, you didn't even have the intentions to morph your instagram into what it is today it just happened naturally yeah i mean it really helped to that one uh i think 2016 thanksgiving instagram posted my 
uh, my Thanksgiving post and it blew up. Wow. Really, Instagram just like pushed me. And I mean, that's kind of how the domino effect happened. It's just, man, and I, I kind of like, you know, got a bunch of following and then that's where I, where I am today. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, everything, everything happens for a reason. But I'm so happy to hear like just how much you've progressed because we all go through our own struggles, but it's the people who really come out on top are the ones who take the time to step back and do that deep introspective work to look at themselves in the mirror, like actually literally do that. You literally did that, you know, not just treating it as a figure of speech, but actually taking the time to look yourself in the mirror and talk to yourself and figure out, is this actually the life I want to live? Is this how I want to be? Or could I be better? Yeah. And taking that, taking that time to do that, it really, it really will change your life. If you change your mindset, you change your perspective, you change your life. That psyche gets changed, not immediately, but like soon after, you'll see the change within you. Yeah, yeah, really. So, so switching gears a little bit, you did some pretty amazing fun, fundraising work in 2020 during the California wildfires by helping to raise over $10,000 to buy masks for the California residents. How did that come together? Before answering that though, we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back after this message from our sponsors. Support for this episode comes from Chicken Bites. Hey, did you know that every serving of Chicken Bites has 17 grams of protein? And did you know that they're made entirely from simple ingredients? Visit www.plantstrengthfoods.com to find out where you can get your pack of Chicken Bites. Use promo code PSR at checkout to save on your order. Chicken Bites, always made from ingredients you can pronounce. Support for this episode comes from 10 out of 10. A wise man once said a single picture is worth a thousand words. Makes you wonder what do you think about video. 10 out of 10 can help you with that. We are a full service boutique production company dedicated to telling uniquely human stories 100% of the time. To request a free consultation, visit www.1010pro.com or visit us on social media at T-E-N-1-0-P-R-O. All right, guys, and welcome back. So before the break, I asked Edgar about his work with the fundraising for the California wildfires. So without further ado, Edgar, take us away. Tell us all about that. Well, it, it started where I was feeling a little bit depressed. Um, I realized a lot of things. And to be super honest on here, um, during Black Lives Matter a few months or a couple months before that, when I fundraised, I was dealing a lot with my internal race, racism that I had. I didn't, I thought I was quote unquote woke. I thought it was, you know, I thought it was fine. I was like, you know, I'm not racist, but that's something that I was being ignorant with. I realized that I was being racist still and I had some internalized racism within me. And I was kind of frustrated because I really didn't know what to do besides arguing with my family, making sure they, real, they realize they have to support Black Lives Matter because in our community, there's also Black people in, in the Latin communi community. So even if they said like, oh, that's not our culture or that's not our community, you know, why, why help them if they don't help us? What do you mean? That's our community. We even grew up around them in East Oakland. Um, so that was a whole ordeal. And I felt like I couldn't really do anything. I, I didn't even want to post anything because I know I couldn't give any value or information. And I, I don't want to be white noise. I'm not white. 
but I've been considered white online by some random people. So I don't even want to, uh, you know, white passing. I don't, I just don't want to be that person that is putting white noise out there when things that actually matter and people that actually have more information and posting things. So I chose to start um, putting my energy to something else. And then a couple of months in, there was a lot of fires and I was like, you know, damn, it was really hard. Imagine I was complaining because I was stuck at home. The pandemic plus the fire uh, where I lived, it was horrible. I, we couldn't even go outside for that long. I had to take my dog out for just a couple minutes and come back in because it, it was dangerous. It was hazardous. I thought about how all the farm workers that deliver our food, that harvest our food, are dealing with this. And they didn't have N95 masks. None of them. They had a regular mask for COVID. Well, not even. They even had like a... Um, those handkerchief things, those don't even filter anything. So I realized that I needed to do something. Me and my my cousin, we started a GoFundMe. I started posting about it. And then a bunch of my friends supported me. That's the community came through. I shed tears of joy. Seeing my community supporting me and what I believed in, but they it's because they also believed in that, that they should be helped. Um, so not only N95 masks that I purchased, but I also purchased um, vests i had gloves glasses like any uh, ppe gear that they needed and also collaborated with a few companies where they donated like water bottles um uh underwear like just random things like even random people message me it's like hey do you have an address so i can send you things and they just sent me things from amazon so i just donated all of it to corazon hillsburg which is a nonprofit organization close to me and they help the homeless and the farm workers um, and then I also helped down south in um, near Monterey. There was a bunch of farms there where I physically went and just like gave these masks out. Like any anything we had, we just gave them out. Um, and I also interviewed a bunch of people and their experience. And ninety eight percent, not even an exaggeration, ninety eight percent of them were immigrants, not just from Mexico, but from Guatemala, from other countries down south, from you know from Latin America. There was no Americans there maybe just people that were already born there because of their family, but like, that's it. And wow. that was something that I, I had to do something. And I was really, I was really like, felt, I felt so much better, even though I couldn't do anything about Black Lives Matter, besides, you know, amplifying black voices, I was able to help my, our community because that's everyone's community. We won't eat if they won't harvest and then they get sick. So that GoFundMe, I mean, came through. I don't, I donated a thousand dollars besides the one that came from GoFundMe, and I decided to do that because I collaborated with a company that um, I said, you know, pay me this much, and because of that, I'll be able to donate money, and then I was able to kind of have them help me sponsor also Corazon Hillsburg, and that's actually what I've been doing for the past uh, year. Any company that I work with, I ask, hey, are you down to donate with Corazon Hillsburg or donate to a farm sanctuary near me? Um, I'll donate uh, 200 and you can match me. So for all the companies that I've been working with, we pretty much have settled a contract where they donate uh, with me. Um, and I'm going to continue that because I, I want to support my community because my community has supported me. Wow, that's amazing. I really love, I really love to hear that. And that's what it's really all about. It's about giving back and paying it forward because I truly believe this and I've experienced it way too often. Karma is so real. The energy you put out is the energy you receive in return. And it's, you shouldn't do good things 
expecting anything in return. You should just do them unconditionally because you're a good person. And even if you don't receive anything in return, what you receive in return is just good energy. You feel good. You know that you help someone. And that's really what matters at the end of the day. Yeah. No, it, it, even without thinking about karma, even as a kid, I, I knew that I felt better helping people and that made me feel good. Um, so even that, just, just that made me feel good and I was happy. It's just That's enjoyable. awesome. That's awesome. Good for you, man. So keeping on the high note, you also have a brand new cookbook that just came out, Provecho. Congrats. Like, tell us all about that. So Provecho is about, it's uh, my past, how I grew up and the food that I grew up with, but also a little bit of contemporary stuff uh, with college and, you know, because kind of it changes my food kind of cooking style changes as I get older. And I have a lot of recipes from my grandma, my mom, all of my six aunts in there, plus family that is like family friends, because that's kind of the main thing with my cookbook is that a lot of my family is also just friends that came up and brought a little something to the table. Like um, my family's Mexican, my mom, and I have families coming in from Salvador, Honduras, um, Colombia, like we all got together in other countries, you know, other Latin American countries got together and brought our own foods and got to share the cultural experience because we are part of Latin America, but we all don't have the same foods. We have similar, you know, foods here and there, but that is based around my cookbook. So it's not just Mexican, but it has a little bit of uh, Salvadorian and Colombian recipes in it. Awesome. Um, yeah. And it comes out October 12th. It's already on Amazon. You, just, you can just look up Provecho, P-R-O-B-E-C-H-O, or Edgar Casadon. So Cool. So is it it's pre-order available on Amazon? Yep. And October, October 12th is the release day. Awesome. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Really, I love Latin, like Latin food. Definitely, by far, one of my favorites. Absolute favorite. Yeah, you can never you can never go wrong with rice and beans and salsa and avocado. You really, you really you really can't. That's like a meal right there. I mean, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Fajitas, absolute favorite, absolute favorite. Yeah. You literally can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. Wow. So before we wrap things up, if you could tell us what is one piece of advice that you have for someone feeling lost and alone kind of connecting back to the, the initial conversation that we had and following on that same pay it forward. What, what, what piece of advice would you give someone who was, who's going through a similar situation that you, you went through? As someone that used food to connect with people um, and managed to get out of my loneliness, I'd say just know that you're not alone because there's other people feeling the same way as you. We are all here together um, in this world. Um, whether you feel alone and not heard, I know there's someone that does listen to you and does see you. Um, and maybe pick up a hobby or pick something that you like and connect with people that way. Um, food was easy for me because people love food. I love to feed people. But you can do anything. Um, you can play video games and connect with people online. I mean, there's so much now these days that... Just find something you like. Even I even played Magic, uh, The Gathering, and you can connect with people online to like, uh, there's like Yu-Gi-Oh stores or like card stores that you can play games there too. Um, there's just so much that you can do. But back then I didn't see it. So I know that it's going to be hard to see across from that field and actually not feel alone. 
I love that. I love that. It's so true. We're all in this together. And that's the beauty of life. And I always say that's what, that's what really matters most in our life is human connection, the relationships that we make, not what we have material, material wise. It's, it's what we have relationship wise. Those things are, are priceless. So just know that there's other people out there. I love that. I love that. So before we continue on, we're going to take a brief moment to highlight our team member of the week, something we do every episode to show our love and appreciation for our ever-growing family. What's up, fam? It's your boy DJ coming right back at you as the Plant Strength Team Member of the Week. I'm very, very honored, and I appreciate the support, the ongoing support for Plant Strength. But if you haven't plugged me in already to your Instagram, to your TikTok, make sure y'all follow me, at DJ More Fit. I'm posting a lot of workout content, a lot of vegan content and I could use your support but you know otherwise what it means for me to be vegan I'm not only advocating for the rights of the animals which is very very important to plant strength and all of us here but at the end of the day we only have one earth and if we don't become more sustainable and eco-friendly we're not gonna have anywhere to live so that's really what being vegan to me you know spreading the message educating people spreading the word getting out there advocating for the rights of animals for this earth you know cleaning up you know the earth and whatever I have to do to make sure that um, we are preserving the one earth that we have I make sure I do so um, that's what it really means for me to be vegan and I hope that's what it means for you as well we want to see everybody that's watching this video um, come out support and just really spread the message we're gonna be all around New York all summer so go to our website plantstrength.com find out the dates and we hope to see you there deuces now it's time for our growth spurts and growing pain segment so it goes things changing I know that though I've got no control that's just the way that we grow and no one told me what's ahead on this road so until I break the mold for those of you who haven't heard of this segment before at the end of every show we ask each guest what a recent growth spurt of theirs is an accomplishment that they're proud of as well as a growing pain, something that they're still trying to get better with. Both of these can be health, work, or life related. So with that, we'll start right at the top, Edgar. What is a recent growth spurt of yours? A recent growth spurt is, for me, is realizing that I'm not uh, that bad of a writer. I started um, uh, reading a lot more and reading a couple of grammar books. Um, and just making sure I was updated with how how to write, I used to think because you know I because I have two languages and actually multiple more than that uh, under my belt. Like I felt like I couldn't write as well or as eloquently as I could. Um, and I realized that that's actually bonkers. I mean, I I know I I realized that I am, and I got better because I just started reading more. Um, so that's my growth spurt because also because of the cookbook that really forced me to write a lot. <laughs> Um, and I think I became more confident. So now I can write better because I, I realized that I was already good at it. And confidence really helps. Definitely. Definitely. Wait, pues hablo español. Y cuando uh, estaba estudiando en, en colegio, um, I became, I, now I forgot how to say I became, but I became a better writer in English because of learning Spanish. And so I oh, think yeah, because when I was 
when I was learning, when I was um, studying in school, I had to focus so much on being grammatically correct in Spanish that it just made me that much more attentive in English. And so it made me, yeah, it made me that, that much better. I can't, I'm not, I'm not fluent in Spanish and I definitely don't like, I need to speak more because since not being in school for the last like almost five years now, I don't, it's just like, it doesn't come as quickly anymore as it was, but I definitely like love the ability to have to speak another language. So that's really cool. Yeah, that's really cool. So what would you say? Go ahead. I was going to say same here. Um, I learned Japanese and Russian. Oh, wow. Uh, and I also know a little bit of Portuguese and Italian. Um, Those are all vastly different languages. Yeah. So if you don't speak enough, you definitely will forget it. I can still read a little bit of Russian and Japanese since it's different than uh, our characters. Got it. Yeah. I mean, the most difficult thing for me is just, it's more so understanding what the other person is saying. I know what I want to say and I can read and write really well, but when I hear it, it's just hard because I'm more of a visual learner. So it's like switching my mindset, but yeah. Anyway, so what would you say is a recent or is a current growing pain of yours? Something you're still trying to get better with? Getting better with uh, body positivity. Um, since of back since back then, I'm dealing a lot with my abuse. I I grew a uh, binge eating habit and started uh, just eating the hell out of food. Like, I mean, I would wake up for some reason, I would have this like cold, empty sensation in my in my body where on my stomach where I needed to wake up at 3 a.m. and go eat something and come back to sleep. So I, I would do that. And sometimes I wouldn't, I wouldn't remember eating that food, but I had the after breath and I had crumbs and it was a hot mess. Um, but that's something that's still kind of dealing, I'm dealing with it today. I'm not doing that anymore, but I'm still de dealing with myself because I was pre-diabetic back then and I was chubbier. Um, body positivity is really hard because you have to fully accept and love yourself the way you are. Um, I feel like I, I can say I am accepting and loving myself, but I think there's still a little bit I'm still dealing with. Um, and I talk down to myself, but I know that I shouldn't. I definitely understand that. And I connect with you. I, I, when I was younger, I went through a, a chubby phase just out of nowhere. And it was more like middle school. And then it even progressed into high school for a little bit. I hit puberty late. So, I mean, I was like 5'1 as a freshman in high school. I was tiny. And um, I never really understood nutrition and I didn't really understand nutrition really until I started to get into college it was like going into my sophomore year of college that I learned how to calorie count and I started doing that and I was like oh wait it really just comes down to calories in calories burned but then a couple years ago I did a couple physique competitions in 2018 2019 and after both of them, I went through heavy periods of binge eating. I was also going through some personal stuff at the time. So there was definitely emotional eating yeah. with that. But I know the feeling of you're like full and you still feel hungry. Yeah. And it's just, it's, it's just because of that empty feeling emotionally that you were feeling. It's not the physical feeling. It's just that emotional mental emptiness. So I, I, I definitely understand where you are. 
and because I've gone through that and the whole body dysmorphia, body positivity, it's it's a it's it's an ongoing process. And even yeah. today, sometimes I catch myself being too hard on myself, and I'm like, no one's really even thinking into this. The only person who's judging me like this is myself. So why even bother? Yeah, That's we are our, our we're our worst critics. So yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because you're just, you seem like a very hardworking person and as am I. And so we have that same mindset of we just always want what's best for ourselves and we know we can be better at all times. But at the same time, what I've found has helped me personally get over that and get to where I am now is just being more forgiving, forgiving and realizing that no one is thinking into this as much as I am. And it's almost not worth it because at the end of the day, it's a detraction from my happiness. And what matters most is my happiness. I, yeah, I totally agree. Uh, I'm because I'm sure a lot of people can relate. I mean, during COVID, people possibly gained weight. I mean, I definitely did. <laughs> about 15, 20 pounds since COVID. Um, and I still haven't lost them. I usually gain a lot on my legs. A lot. Uh, so you know, dealing with like seeing my pants not fitting, I was like, oh yeah, I got, I got to do something about this. But right. I shouldn't be hard on myself either, though. It's you know, I can get rid of it. Yeah, still you, you definitely can. Yeah, you definitely can. We should connect after this, and we'll we'll talk more. Definitely happy to help you out. But thank you so much for coming on the show. It was a really great episode. I really appreciate you sharing your story and opening up the way you did, keeping it raw, Edgar raw. As you always do, I think a lot of people will really resonate with your story, and, and I'm, I'm just really happy you were able to share it today. So before we close things out, if you wouldn't mind telling everyone where they can find you online. Um, you can find me on multiple platforms. I have Instagram at Edgar Ra, E-D-G-A-R-R-A-W, also on Unsplash, also on TikTok. Also, uh, my website is edgarra.com. Awesome. You can find me on places. Awesome. You guys heard it first. All of those links will be in the show notes and in the description below. So make sure to check them out. Give Edgar a follow. Thank you again one more time, Edgar, for coming on. And as always, guys, until the next one, I'm your host, Bobby Lynch, and this is Plant Strength Radio. Plant Strength Radio is hosted by Bobby Lynch, produced and edited by Kiwan Harrison. Original theme music by Alex Brinkley and Tyson Bryce. If you would like to hear more podcasts like this, please like, Share and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts can be streamed. To learn more about Plant Strength, the company behind this podcast, please visit www.plantstrengthperformance.com or follow us on social media at Plant Strength Performance. Plant Strength, sustainability for mind, body, soul, and the environment. Thank you for listening.